For all of our health conscious consumers, which many of you are, I want you to take a second to think about the brands that you are consistently consuming. When you take a look at those, what you'll see is oftentimes it is a startup or challenger brand taking that role and embracing the health conscious consumer that we're seeing more and more of today. Innovation happening from the big corporate incumbent brands takes longer, it's a slower process. And so what we're seeing now is a vast opportunity for smaller, more agile companies to step in to the market. Today, we're gonna to speak with a brand manager of one of those brands taking on some larger competition and doing some incredible work. Personally, this is one of my favorite products in this category. I'm probably consuming one to two of their products every single day. So I hope you sit back, enjoy, eat some healthy food today, go work out and enjoy this incredible podcast episode. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast episode. On our CMO series, a lot of our recent episodes have been covering some very well-known established brands such as you know IBM, North Face, Coca-Cola. And then of recent, we've started to shift to talk more regional brands and then what I have kind of identified as like challenger brands. So those that aren't necessarily coming from a place of a massive organization at a global level, but more brands that are competing and growing and have really seen growth over the past few years in specific industries. And so I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about that particular arena and space. And so without further ado, today I'm joined by Mickey Citarella, the brand manager at One Brands which is personally my go-to favorite protein bar, and it will be for the near future, assuming your continued innovation, which I'm sure we'll, we'll touch about at some point in this. Mickey, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. Really looking forward to it. Of course. So to start things off, for, for those that aren't familiar or addicted in my case uh, to, to One Brands, could you give us a quick synopsis of, uh, of what you guys are all about? Yeah, absolutely. So one brand was really started with the idea that you shouldn't have to compromise great taste and, and health. Because a lot of times when you think of the snackosphere, you know, there's food that you love to eat, but sort of make you feel bad. And then there's food that you know you should eat, but they taste really bad. And so our, our founder sort of wanted to create a product where it married the best of both worlds, where you can indulge in these amazing flavors, like blueberry cobbler and your case Jake or birthday cake or maple glazed donut, but was also packed with the macros that you want, specifically protein, yeah. and you know has less sugar. So every one bar uh, has 20 grams of protein, uh, one gram of sugar, and these amazing flavors that you just can't believe come from a, a protein bar. Yeah, definitely. And I can attest to that. And that's something that I would say, you know, we've seen unique models of that in the past, but uh, you know, in my limited knowledge, this is this is definitely um, a brand that seems to be catching fire and and uh, and reaping the benefits because of it. So, 
Uh, I know you've only been with the firm for a little bit, but I'd be curious to hear what growth has looked like over even the past just 12, just 12 months maybe, and what each of those growth phases entail. And I know you mentioned when, you know, coming on board, some interesting things you were looking at and the, the, the trajectory and, and what does that look like among the horizon? So I'd love to hear for you what that what that's looked like of recent and what what that kind of growth looks like for for a brand that can continues to kind of rise through the ranks. That's, that's a great question. And I think, you know, to kind of see where we are now, you, you need to look in the past. And what's fun about one brand is it's almost a, a 20 year startup yeah. where the founder, Ron McAfee, had started playing in sports nutrition and was always developing product and was never scared of kind of throwing away what he had worked on and advancing to the next thing. So I would say overall, the company has had sort of four key periods of growth. There was the first about 16 years where the founder, Ron, was really in sports nutrition before it was a big thing. You know, it was mostly bodybuilders and, and you know, Muscleheads, Gold's Gym. Think of all the 90s, World's Strongest Man, yeah. Metrics Competition. Jake, I don't even know if, you know, you were born when that was <laughs> happening. Uh, and you know, kind of experimented through that. And then eventually these protein bars started to become not only something that people who were trying to get gains were eating, but a lot of people were snacking on to stay healthy and stay on track. And so that's when the one bar was created. That was around 2014, where the founder saw, hey, we can create something that has protein, great taste, and, and only one gram of sugar. And we think this may have more mass appeal than protein powders and pre-workouts and some of the things they had done in the past. So that was sort of stage two, was sort of the inception of one brand. And they started to create some standard flavors that you'd see like chocolates and peanut butters and cookies and cream. And then all of a sudden they, you know, went out in the field and started talking to folks and someone said, your cookies and cream taste good, but it tastes more like birthday cake to me. Uh, and so the founder went back and was like, birthday cake? You know, this is really interesting. And he ended up working with his partner in R&D and they created the birthday cake one bar. Oh, and yeah. that's when the growth started really exploding. Uh, from there, you know, they started building the brand and were really trying to keep up with demand. Uh, but they had very minimal marketing. You know, this was a group that was really good with sales. They're good with distribution, good at creating products. But they knew they needed a marketing engine to kind of drive the brand forward and help exercise their potential. So they linked up with a private equity group called Kavu. Uh, the founder of it is a man named Rohan. He is on Shark Tank every now and then, but they do a tremendous job of building brands. And yeah. so they kind of redid the visual identity of the brand uh, and, you know, really made it more of a lifestyle brand than a protein bar brand. And then they brought on an executive team uh, out of Boulder, Colorado, which was led by a CEO named Peter Burns, who's sort of a specialist in taking these brands and, and getting them in more distribution, building them up, growing both top line and bottom line revenue. And so that was sort of phase three. And then phase four is they've recently sold to Hershey. And, you know, now we're really seeing what we can do with a big parent company that's very well versed in food and, and where they can take us from there. So it's, it's kind of been a brand that sort of redefined itself in different stages. Yeah. Uh, but now we're sort of in a new era, which is just super exciting. Yeah. And what's interesting is my, my next question was actually regarding what has supported grant, uh, growth most. And I referenced product innovation, I referenced brand positioning, and then I referenced marketing, which tends to highlight the phases uh, that, that, mm -hmm. that you did happen to go through, which I find so interesting. So 
I guess now looking ahead, uh, now working with and, and, and being sold to now Hershey's, you know, quite a large firm. Um, what does what the next, you know, 6, 12, 18 months look like in terms of growth, in terms of marketing, in terms of brands? Is it more of the same? Is it, uh, hey, now that we're bigger, we got we to gotta play things a little bit differently. We can't be as crazy as we were before. I'd love to just hear from you as, as the brand manager where you kind of see, uh, where you see the brand continuing to like grow. Yeah, and I, it's a great question because I think what got us here is, isn't necessarily what's going to get us there. So for a lot of what we're trying to do is now seeing what other products can we create both with bars and outside of the bar category to get you know, more household penetration uh, and to, to also just bring sort of the joy of the brand to more people. So for us, you know, while sales have been great, I, I've sort of noticed in talking to people that we're still one of the best kept secrets in the bar category. You know, household yep. penetration is only around 2%. So not a lot of people are eating them. But similar to Jake, once people try the our products, they fall in love with them. So yep. now we're trying to explore other avenues to be sure we can bring more consumers into the fold. So it's a very innovation-led approach uh, for right now that's sort of rooted in kind of our brand positioning and, you know, what consumers want from us and where we have license to take the brand. Definitely. Definitely. I think that's incredible insight. And I love that now we're looking at product innovation in other categories. And, um, and I think that's something that, you know, as a brand manager, being able to lead this in marketing and having it. So your marketing efforts are, are able to, once you get to the purchase point, the, the product's going to sell itself. They're going to get, they're, they're ideally, in my case, going to get hooked on it. Um, but it's not one of those things where you're marketing for a product that might not be able to sell. Now, it's not that you're always having to do that in the agency space, but I know you spent 10 years prior in the agency realm where you're working with you know, a variety of different clients on unique projects and campaigns, all with their own unique objective or KPI and a million different moving pieces. So... My question for you and, and for those listening right now that might be on the agency side, might be on the brand side, might be you know stuck with a, 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 a tiny small business that doesn't even do marketing outside of like that one individual. Uh, how have you enjoyed it thus far being on the brand side? And um, if there's any insight you have into that, that transition, I, I'd love to, love to learn more and then just get your overall thoughts on that. Yeah, so it's very different being on the agency side versus the, the client or the brand side. Because when you're on the agency side, a lot of times it's a marketing department or an insights department that's coming to you to solve a specific problem. So mm -hmm. in, in my past, you know, I'd worked with big brands like Subway and helping them develop new product innovation or PepsiCo uh, in doing sort of positioning and, and different segmentation work. And then also a, a variety of other brands doing campaigns. So I felt like I always saw a facet of the business and what they were doing from a marketing standpoint, but I didn't see the whole picture. So when you join the brand side of things, what you realize is marketing is an essential component uh, for the brand and the company, but it's one of many puzzle pieces that need to, to fit together. Uh, so there's the operations component, there is the sales component, there's the finance component. Uh, there's so many other things that happen within a company and a brand that need to come together for it all to work that you don't necessarily get exposure to or you get exposure in a very limited capacity when you're on the agency side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's obviously something I can uh, attest to a little bit in the rest of our team here at Trendsetters. Um, so, so next, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to dive into uh, kind of one brand specifically and, and talking about brand positioning. So something I find interesting with Consumer Insights is, is those, and particularly younger consumers that are health conscious, um, they're, they're going to be a little bit more health conscious and they don't necessarily have to be fitness gurus, but the average consumer today is going to be a little bit more cognitive of that than, than prior generations, that is. So as you think about like your brand positioning with one brand, and I could be totally off right here, but is, the, is this, would you say you've really entered the market and created a product that is appealing to not only the fitness community, but also to the average consumer that isn't like a fitness freak, rather than doing the inverse and just tagging along with, um, with just the fitness community in general, or is this, or is your positioning really just around helping the fitness community? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and on that brand positioning, if that makes sense, because I think that's something I'm, I'm wildly intrigued by is, you know, how we see the average consumer evolving and like, when does, when does like a healthy product just become the absolute norm and it's no longer, you know, something special necessarily or, or a unique selling prop. So um, I don't know if that question makes any sense, but any, any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I think from a positioning standpoint, you it has to be the culmination of the functional benefits of your brand and the emotional benefits of your brand. And those two things coalesce to sort of form your brand promise to mm -hmm. consumers. So as we think about our positioning, it's not just, hey, we're healthy. So we have these functional attributes that define our brand. We have, you know, the macros you want with 20 grams of protein and, you know, all the things that you don't want, like less than one gram of sugar. And we also deliver what we call this OMG taste, you know, that it's just absolutely amazing when you bite into it. But your brand can't stand on those functional benefits alone because anyone can create a product not any, but a lot of people that mimic your nutritional. And yeah. so where positioning really finds its magic is in its emotional benefit and you're tying that to consumers. So for us, when we think about our emotional benefits, what we're really going after is, is one, the sense of empowerment. When people eat a one bar, they feel like they're in control of their lives because their cravings are sort of working for them versus against them. And then also an emotional benefit that people get is this sense of relief where it's like, oh, this is such an amazing, great tasting experience that, you know, I, I feel good about eating it. And, you know, I feel like I'm indulging in this craving, uh, which is not something that a lot of brands can offer. So we've tried to coalesce sort of those functional and emotional benefits to bring forward a brand promise uh, to consumers. And so a lot of that comes from talking to consumers and really being, you know, as a marketing department, the empathy engine behind the organization. So yeah. all different departments are working to, together to deliver on that promise. Did yeah. that answer that, Jake? Definitely, so definitely. And, and very well said. I think you deciphered my, my, my question better than, than I could have. So very much appreciative <laughs> of that. <laughs> we need to re-hit it. Let me know. But yeah. Of course. <laughs> and so um, so I, I think uh, the, really the final question I have for, for you today is as we think about the future of uh, – Certainly, product innovation, marketing, this industry as a whole—you uh, know, kind of that fitness or more like uh, more you know healthier products in the CPG category. 
Um, what are some things on the horizon that, that you're either looking forward to or, or just even thinking about? Because I know there's, there's so many different moving pieces. I know COVID may have uh, accelerated some of those or, or shifted and, and maybe that shift goes back, maybe it doesn't. So I'd love to, I'd love to just hear from you, like, what do you think, what are you really thinking about uh, looking ahead uh, in, in years beyond, I guess? Yeah, it, it's a great question because I joined at a very complicated time where, you know, one brand was this challenger brand that saw tremendous success. It was gaining a ton of share each week, each month, each quarter, each year. You know, sales were just increasing and increasing and increasing. And then April happened with COVID and everyone stocked up in, in March and then stopped visiting retail in April. Yeah. And then more and more people were staying at home. They were less busy. And so they didn't need to rely on protein bars like they had in the past to sort of help them through their busy days. You know, we hear a lot of times qualitatively from consumers that protein bars were very much a security blanket during people's busy lives. Where it's like, yeah. hey, I'm going from one activity to the next all day, every day. I don't know when I can eat, but at the very least, I can grab a bar. It can refill me, replenish me. And I can keep going. But then when you're stuck at home or you're not out and about as much or your life is less characterized by busyness, protein bars at its surface don't have as much of a role as they once did. Mm -hmm. So the biggest challenges that I'm, I'm looking at now is what is the role of a protein bar it, during COVID? And how can yeah. we sort of make ourselves feel essential to consumers like we were pre-COVID? So a lot of that is, is kind of redoing uh, a lot of the conversations that we've had with consumers, looking at data differently, but trying to craft a new story that reflects the new reality that consumers are living. So that's really fun, sort of from a consumer insights and empathy standpoint. Yeah. And then the other thing too is, is to continue to prepare ourselves for success. You know, one thing about being a challenger brand is I think oftentimes people view it as, as being very binary, where there's the leader and then there's the challenger brand. You know, and where you see a lot of people make mistakes as challenger brands is they're just looking sort of through the windshield and looking at who they want to pass and not looking in the rearview mirror and seeing all the other people that are challenging you yeah. as sort of a more successful challenger brand. So what we're trying to do now is really take a holistic approach and understand, you know, what can we do to be more successful than the people that are ahead of us? Then also, how can we think like an innovative, scrappy startup that's trying to steal our share as well? And that's really helping to guide our new product pipeline from an innovation standpoint. Or said, okay, what can be some new things that we can bring to market that will feel new and unique and beneficial to consumers that aren't necessarily just the me too, which is super exciting in a lot of different ways. Um, and then also, it's it's how do we communicate that consumers in a way that resonates with them. So, you know, that was a long-winded way of saying we're sort of in a period of tremendous redefinition and realignment mm -hmm. and hoping to sort of bring all that together in 2020 so we can hit 2021 kind of right out of the gate uh, in the new year to have a yeah. super successful, uh, you know, next year. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that's something that, that, that a lot of brands are having to shift to right now. Um, and it's also bringing on, you know, those new changes. And I, I, I think the example you cite of like, what, what is the role of a protein bar now play for the average consumer who, 
they're they're working from home now. They can cook all their meals, but probably not going to cook the healthiest stuff all the time. Or or what does that look like? So I love that you're really taking a step back to reanalyze, rehab those conversations with consumers to ultimately uncover that. And I, th I think that's something that I'd advise for obviously all of our listeners here uh, to continue evolving with that consumer centric approach. And, and that's where you'll gather ultimately the best insights. And uh, for those listening right now to the podcast, here's your chance to actually get probably one of, one of the better giveaways. So if you uh, screenshot the podcast right now at whatever this timestamp is, which I'll check and we share it to your Instagram story, the first one to do so, uh, I will personally send you a box of one protein bars that I'll buy on my dime. Uh, I'll probably buy like five boxes for myself, but that's for, that's for a different time. But uh, Mickey, I really appreciate everything today thus far. Is there anything else you would add as either closing remarks or any advice to the next generation of marketers and, and business leaders? I think, you know, sort of just to give advice to the next generation of marketers, I know a lot of you, you know, Gen Zers and younger folks are either entering the marketplace or in the marketplace at a, a very difficult time. Yeah. Uh, but the advice I always give to people as they go into it is to never sell yourself short. You know, it's like, I remember 10 years ago, I was this cool young guy, millennials were the it thing. And I provided so much value to older marketers and people that aren't with it. You know, so it's, marketing changes faster than anything else. Communication changes faster than anything else. And I think, you know, it's funny that I call it now, I'm only 32, but the, the youth are really leading a lot of that movement. Mm -hmm. So never sell yourself short. You know, you are valuable. Your view of the world is very different than, you know, what we have. So always approach everything with confidence and with a sense of swagger and with, you know, a sense of expertise because your perspective, your opinion, you know, is, is more and more important, uh, you know, than it ever has been. Now, that was, that would be said that well, Jake, at the end. But no I think if we were to review that one, is, is sort of never sell yourself short. I think this is a tremendously difficult job market. It's, you know, it's a very trying time. But ultimately, sort of the younger generation is the most on top of culture. They understand the levers that you can pull from a communication standpoint, much more so than sort of traditional marketers. So be confident, have a lot of swagger, and know that you, if you're in an organization, can be extremely valuable, and make sure you exercise that. Yeah. And as you guys all know, uh, listening now, uh, that, that is advice that I echo as well. So as always, thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you all next week.